Hello, everyone. Welcome to this podcast for Cambridge Health Tech Institute's Leaders in Biobanking Congress, happening this November 4th through the 5th in Indianapolis, Indiana, at the Sheraton Indianapolis City Center. I'm Ann Wynn, the Associate Conference Producer for the event. Today, we're chatting with one of our speakers from the Science of Supplying High-Quality Specimens session, Dr. Allison Hubble, Director of the Biopreservation Core Resource, Professor in Mechanical Engineering at the University of Minnesota, and Deputy Editor for Biopreservation and Biobanking. Allison, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So let's start off by learning about where you do your biopreservation work and research. Um, basically, what's it like to do what you do at the University of Minnesota as well as the Biopreservation Core Resource? Well, um, the, the Biopreservation Core Resource is part of, it, of the University of Minnesota. It exists um, as an entity within the University of Minnesota. But I, I do admit that some of the work that I do for BioCore is, is distinct from what I do at the University of Minnesota, and I'll try and describe that. Um, our research is, as you would expect, kind of standard research where we take hypotheses and we test them in the lab in order to improve outcome for biopreservation. Um, in the biopreservation core resource, we go beyond that, however, in that we are very committed to um, education, and our education can come through short courses that we offer every year. It can also come through our website in which we um, download information that's available to the public to help them understand the issues associated with preservation and come up with practical solutions to make their outcome better. We also handle questions or uh, requests from uh, external investigators who need help with preservation issues, and that can come through our website or even through phone calls to the BioCore. Great. And um, as you yourself have noted, Time Magazine called biobanking one of 10 ideas changing the world right now as part of its What's Next 2009. Obviously, that was a few years ago. But um, how and why has biobanking risen to such prominence in recent years? Well, I think everyone who's gotten sick has understood that sometimes a treatment works and sometimes it doesn't. And medical researchers understand that issue as well and know that in some situations, standard methods of treating a disease result in either a poor outcome or no improvement in the patient's health. And it, it took a while to understand what that really reflected is that all of us respond to, to disease differently and um, has really fueled the understanding that medicine on some level needs to be personalized or individualized. And the mechanism by which we do that has to be the biospecimens that we get from individuals, whether it's a vial of blood or urine or a piece of tissue, that that information um, is critical to biomedical research and also to practicing physicians who are attempting to understand disease and develop rational, scientifically-based treatments for them. And as a result, that, that biospecimen and its quality is really, on many levels, the limiter to the development of individualized treatments for people that are effective, that are not toxic, and can result in a better outcome for patients. So biobanking has risen to the top principally because of the importance that it plays in actually a basis 
for the development of new therapies or even individualized therapies and improving human health. And uh, what are some of the key problems that affect biospecimen collection and storage now, and how is your lab addressing these problems? Well, um, this, this question could probably take me an hour to answer, but I will try to um, make things as concise as possible. I think there are two layers of issues. One layer has to do with education and training. Um, as we understand more about the need for high-quality biospecimens, we also have to translate that understanding to education and training of individuals involved in biobanking so that they understand best practices, so that they can implement those best, best practices and result in the collection of high-quality biospecimens. Now, that just takes us to where our understanding is right now. Um, it's clear that as we develop more of an understanding of disease, that the array and the nature of the biomarkers that we're interested in stabilizing will continue to grow and change. And as a re result, the best practices we have right now may not be suitable for e emerging biomarkers of interest. And so the biospecimen science needs to be advanced so that we can respond with proper stabilization techniques for those new and emerging biomarkers that we are now beginning to understand uh, are a reflection of health or disease and therefore of value for biomedical research and medical treatment. So that's somewhat of a truncated answer to a very complex issue, but we have education and also advancing the field. Now, advancing the field involves not only developing new preservation techniques, but also technology to make it possible to achieve the high quality in a reproducible and economically feasible fashion. So it's not just understanding and developing new protocols, it's also developing the uh, parallel technology that will enable those high-quality biospecimens to be collected, processed, and preserved. Makes sense. And um, you were speaking about uh, technologies and techniques. Um, that segues very nicely into the next question, because I understand your lab is investigating microfluidic devices as a means of handling specialized solutions needed for biopreservation. So can you share a little bit about that work and its potential applications? Yes, um, thank you for asking. Um, Anytime you preserve a cell, um, you typically will include a specialized solution to help it survive the stresses of freezing and thawing. Now, those specialized chemicals need to be removed before the cell is used. And current methods have typically involved the use of centrifuges. So the solution is spun down, the supernatant is removed and replaced, and that process is repeated. Now, in many situations, that results in a lot of loss of cells, and um, it's very time-intensive, operator-dependent, et cetera. So we have really developed a method of removing that chemical, those specialized chemicals post-thaw, that is very easy, operator-independent, results in recovery of most of the cells. Um, we are moving forward with commercialization of this technology and have, have developed a small startup company that is moving forward with commercialization. 
our um, target applications right now are principally in the area of cell therapy. Uh, we are interested in applying this to red blood cell preservation and also stem cell preservation for the treatment of disease, but it clearly has applications in all kinds of different cell processing applications, including, say, someone who is uh, freezing down peripheral blood mononuclear cells and um, banking them away um, because it, it, it involves automation and reproducibility and removal of chemicals that have to be removed before the cells can be used for downstream applications. Okay, and uh, what will be the focus of your presentation at the Biobanking Congress on November 4th? Well, we're actively involved in uh, a research project right now that looks at the effect of long-term storage and developing assays that can tell if a sample's been stored properly over decades. Um, and that kind of led us to interest in understanding and being able to communicate the scientific basis for selecting a storage temperature. So in my talk, I'm really going to be going over kind of the biophysical and biological basis for selecting a storage temperature and also kind of a summary of the scientific literature in this area so that people can understand that it's not just a cold black box, that there is a rational and scientific and quantitative basis for selecting a storage temperature and that people, if they understand that, can then make rational decisions about how to move forward with storage of their samples. Fantastic. And um, thank you, Allison, for sharing your biopreservation experience and insights with us, uh, giving us a little bit of the nuts and bolts, but also um, painting um, a bit of a broader picture for us to understand to see where we're going into the future with this. Great. It was my pleasure. Again, that was Allison Hubble, Director of the Biopreservation Corps Resource and Professor in Mechanical Engineering at the University of Minnesota. She'll be speaking on Monday afternoon, November 4th, at this year's Leaders in Biobanking Congress in Indianapolis at the Sheraton Indianapolis City Center. The overall event runs November 4th through the 5th. This is Ann Wynn wrapping up another podcast from Cambridge Health Tech Institute. Thanks for listening.